Hello, I'm Conrad Bain. Tonight on the Very Special Episode Podcast, we're starting a special show on a very sensitive and important subject. Now, we urge families, children, and parents alike to listen to this podcast and then to discuss the problem presented, which is of deep concern to all of us. We've seen it all before, so let's reload on a very special episode of shows that suck and shows that blow. Buckle up, buttercup, it's a bumpy road. Going deep inside the mainframe, secret code. Some of this shit stinks, some of it's gold. Yeah, it's ABC featuring VIPs of SBTV, Austin G and Dr. DB with our AT&C money. Weird TV is their specialty. It might be all four, just one, two, or three, cause they're old and kind of busy. So go get ready and take a peek. So set your faces to download a rarity that we have bestowed. Special moments no one would have showed. Open your body holds cause you're gonna What you talking about, listeners? <laughs> Welcome to the first episode of a very special podcast in which we speak very insensitively about very sensitive topics discussed on TV shows of yesteryear. At least that's what it is so far. I am your host this week, Ryan Alexander Tanner. Someone is sitting in the room with me and keeps offering me candy and showing me weird cartoons, and that is... Do you like gladiators, Timmy? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is Carolyn Maine. Welcome to a very special episode. And the owner of some very interesting magazines... Uh, Austin Gorton, but I only got those magazines from Carol. (laughs) (laughs) And someone who's never been molested because he's not worth the effort. (laughs) David Bitsenhofer. I'm just surprised I got invited back. And I thought I'd be the one with the pizza in the oven because I love pizza. (laughs) David used to hang out in front of the schoolyard in like short shorts and a cut off shirt. (laughs) Nobody ever offered him candy. Mm -hmm. When he was a student or after... Uh, no, when in his youth, that big white van would just keep on driving. <laughs> wow, we just are starting off this new podcast right where we ended. I know. The- I <laughs> thought Ryan told us to be respectful yeah. before we started be recording. Resp- respectful of the source material. So for our first <laughs> show, so this came out, uh, we did a whole series called Say by the Bell Reviewed Together, if you're not familiar with that. Uh, we did a reviewed every episode of that show and now we are going to review very special episodes of tv shows so it'll actually not we're not going to talk about the same show every week which yeah would be nice so for our first episode we're discussing a two-part episode of different strokes entitled the bicycle man i believe the show is called different strokes different 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 <laughs> different, different strokes i would like the record to show that when I saved my notes file, I spelled it D-I-F apostrophe rent, as is the title of the show. I did, too. I just left out the apostrophe. Oh, okay. Okay. Fair enough. So this is a two-part episode called The Bicycle Man. It's season five, episodes 16 and 17, and originally aired in February of 1983. 
which was the day Carol was born. It's pretty close, pretty close. <laughs> November 1983. Oh, so you are, Carol was conceived to this episode. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, we really are just throwing sensitivity out the window. <laughs> well, we haven't talked about the source material again. The first, so this is the two-part episode about uh, child molestation. It's a yeah. very special episode about uh, a man who owns a bike shop who has all this cool stuff that he offers to Arnold. And uh, it turns out that he is a child molester. The first thing I want to say, because we talked about what, you know, we all get to pick our very special episodes. And I immediately thought of this, but I actually was thinking of a different two-part, very special do- different strokes episode. Is that yeah. the one where he gets kidnapped? Yeah, that's the one about hitchhiking, which uh, okay. I had only seen part one when I was a kid. And I never got to see part two, which was part of why I wanted to see it. But it turns out Different Strokes has a lot of very special episodes. <laughs> yes. yeah, I, have, I have a feeling we'll be covering a lot of Different Strokes along along the way. This is, I think, kind of the prototypical... Like, this is what a lot of people think of when they think of the sort of stereotypical, very special episode. Yeah. Do you know who's saying the theme song to Different Strokes? Who? Well, I heard you sing it once, David. Yeah. Yeah. But... But I mean, who, who officially did? No, who? Alan Thick. No way! <laughs> yes. He doesn't sound like him, particularly. Man, he is just like a quadruple threat, isn't he? <laughs> well, you know, you would think that um, being the singer of a theme song of a show that covers such very special episodes, yeah. he would have raised his son up a little bit better. You'd hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is a singer. Yeah, but I don't know. You just think. Uh... But he likes to sing about, like, sexual assault so yeah, yeah. it's catchy because <laughs> it's <laughs> catchy <laughs> but, you know, yeah but he sings it very catchily yeah let's, let's keep credit where credit i don't know how many people like were like oh this is a good song and he starts singing along with it in the car and you're like yeah. wait a minute <laughs> oh yeah it's 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 a it's a fun catchy little tune until you actually listen to the lyrics and then you're like wait this is wildly inappropriate <laughs> just like how real sexual assault seems pretty good at first when you're just getting those back rubs and cool cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> and playing Tarzan. We should talk about special episodes in general for a moment, I guess. Not that we have to do every podcast, but... What do you want to say? <laughs> well, does it... <laughs> Take it away, David. <laughs> well, what do people think of, like... I once, I think it was like an I Love the 80s show where they talked about probably this episode of Different Strokes or something. Those bastards. But then it was... Yeah, don't watch that. Listen to this. <laughs> well, it was only like five minutes, or you know. But they said like the only, back in like the 80s, the only way for a sitcom to win an Emmy was to be completely serious. And there's just mm. something weird. Like, I remember watching Different Strokes and other syndicated stuff when I was a kid growing up, and it, it was just an accepted part that every once in a while you get, like, this super serious version of the show. Yeah. But it is kind of weird that you have this sitcom that's supposed to be lighthearted comedy, and then you just get hit with, like, something that's, like, very, very macabre. Well, I think there's a level of social responsibility to this. This, and I, I want to wait till the end to really kind of evaluate the performance of this, but yeah. contradicting myself immediately, I thought this was surprisingly well done. Yeah, actually. I was actually surprised too. But um, but also the way that it still functioned as a sitcom was very odd and kind of uncomfortable. Yeah, mm-hmm. like there was a lot of laugh 
canned laughs, and yeah. then, like, they were laughing at something that was sexual assault, yeah. which I hope we don't do 100 times <laughs> in this podcast. Oh, wait, we're gonna. Sorry about it. And, like, part one ends with the bicycle man, the titular bicycle man, <laughs> taking photos of Arnold and his friend and his shirtless friend playing, Dudley. like, Tarzan and stuff. And that's how it ends. And then everyone's clapping. And it's almost like they're right. clapping yeah. for this guy taking photos of kids. And Show those muscles, Dudley. Uh, that's good. Fine. Now we're going to uh, take some pictures. And we're going to have another little sip of wine. And we're going to take some more pictures. And, uh, so uh, give me a strike a pose for me there. Yeah? Let's, see, let's see what you do. Oh, hey, that's great, guys. Gee. Guys, we're just going to have a great time together this afternoon. Huh? All right. Let's see those poses some more. Excellent. Ah, I know, that was very strange. Right. And you're like, uh, that just doesn't come off well, you know? Yeah, well, I think that's mostly what we're going to do in this series, mm-hmm. is watch very special episodes and sort of, we'll pick them apart, moment by moment, mm-hmm. and then also kind of get into, because I think some are more well done than others, and I think actually we're starting off, in terms of a show, it's them saying, okay, we've got millions of kids that watch this, and we can actually kind of provide them with some useful information mm-hmm. here. Um, I think it did a pretty good job. Yeah, I think it's... I, I never watched much different strokes. I've maybe seen an episode here or there. Um, I mean, you What know, you talking about, Austin? I know. And, and you don't you don't need to have ever seen a single episode <laughs> or even know of the existence of the show, and you're still familiar with what you talk about, Willis. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and you're familiar with Gary Coleman. Like, Gary Coleman is... He's an icon. He's a pop culture icon just icon. as Gary Coleman. And, wow. you know, I know about what? how... I don't think anyone's ever said that about Gary Coleman <laughs> since he's been dead, Austin. Oh, really? You're... Yeah, no, he's he's a character unto himself at this point. That's charitable. I'm pretty familiar with, you know, the fact that uh, all three of the main kids on this show pretty much had train wrecks of lives after yeah. he ended and whatnot. So I don't... I don't know that I'm qualified to say that this was a bad episode of Different Strokes, but it definitely felt like it wasn't a typical sitcom episode, but it definitely was a pretty decent, very special episode. Yeah, well, again, I want to save that till later, but I, I do briefly want to touch on everyone's relationship with the show. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. I just would watch it because it was on sometimes, mm-hmm. but it wasn't on a whole lot. And so I probably haven't watched an episode of Different Strokes since I was, like, eight years old. How about you, Carol? Yeah, pretty much the same. It was strange looking back on because, like, not only are there people of color who are actors, which is nice, but also, like, all the bricks were brown. It was a very different color scheme, lots of brown and yellow, very 70s. Mm -hmm. I haven't watched it yet in a good 20 years. And I have to say, first of all, that although I don't know if the man, Emmanuel Lewis, counts as an icon... To me, that's a, that's a great reach, Austin. I well, do we're think that Gary he was this... shit. Emmanuel Lewis really? was the other. I always get them confused. Yeah. Emmanuel Lewis was Webster. God this was part me. of the wave. By wave, I mean two people <laughs> of young black men who had some sort of growth disorder like that allowed them to play a child on TV for uh, years and years. A child that got adopted by white parents. How did that happen? That it was at the exact same time. Was one like. 
the the first Pixar movie, and the next was the DreamWorks ripoff. Yeah, Webster is like the ants to different strokes of Ugg Life. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. the Armageddon to Deep Impact, or the yep. Dante's Peak to mm-hmm. Volcano. <laughs> no, I think that's what happened, is like, this show was kind of, Gary Coleman was kind of a phenomenon, and then they were like, get us another black kid <laughs> with a growth disorder, and give him a show. Yeah, they probably gave him the growth disorder, yeah. like, in the agent <laughs> Let's be clear here, they didn't just say, get us another little black kid, they said, get us another little black kid, and we're gonna stick him with upper class white family yeah have me adopted by white so that's the general premise of different strokes right is they're they're biological brothers right willis and arnold yeah i looked it up briefly on wikipedia and apparently their mother i guess there was a single mother or in some way passed away and she had worked for mr drummond oh she was like his maid or housekeeper or something Moms are always dead. Yeah. <laughs> Disney movies, fuck that bitch, am I right? No, noble orphans are a big part. So of... then, yeah, he, like, takes them in after she dies. Yeah. Right, and his wife is dead, too? Yes. yes. He's a widower, apparently. And then later he gets married and there's, like, a red-headed stepchild. Yeah, they get, a, co- they get a cousin Oliver towards the end mm-hmm. of the series. Yeah. Who's Budnick? Who's what? Budnick. Oh, yeah. On Salute Your Shorts? Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's the same actor. Oh, the kid from Terminator 2? Yeah. Yep. I'll be a monkey's uncle. <laughs> so, David, did you say what your relationship with Different Strokes is? Uh, no, it's probably pretty similar to everyone else's. I think I watched it a little more than most of you, just because I watched a crap load of television as a kid, you know, it was yeah. my parent, and I pe- maybe it's just <laughs> the channels we had, was it yeah. had more no, syndication. I think, I think we're all in that same boat, it was just like... Yeah. TV is our mom who's alive. <laughs> yeah, t- our mom will never die. <laughs> I want to be clear for any new listeners, um... Up front, David is not a child molester, although we're going to joke about it a lot. And <laughs> and two, I've met David's parents, and they're quite nice people, and they did a nice job of raising him. So when he says things like, TV was my mother, and it makes him sound like some kid from the street, he's really not. Some urchin. Well, it's more like, my parents are great people, but I emancipated myself and chose a different parent. <laughs> that's, that's a fair statement. Because <laughs> I watched a crap load of TV, more than yeah. that was healthy. And, uh, yeah, so I watched it. I remember the beginning, and I think it's different because I actually saw it on YouTube, and where Mr. Drummond is in, like, a limousine, and he pulls up, and then, like, uh, Gary <laughs> Coleman and... Willis. Willis, yeah. Todd, Todd Bridges. Bridges yeah. yeah, they run into them, and then they drive off, but as a kid, it always just looked like he drove up to, like, an orphanage and just, like, looked around and was like, I want those two. <laughs> in the drive through orphanage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then he, he was like, I'll have that and then a supersize one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, well, then, of course, Mr. Drummond has his, has a biological daughter. Yeah. She seems really too. young for him, though. But I don't she know. does, because he's, I mean, he seems older. Well, yeah. he's rich, so you know he had a young wife. Yeah, all right. That yeah, makes sense. It all checks out. Yeah. Alright, so long story short, we all watched too much TV as a kid. Yeah, yep. all right. I watched a lot of this. So I remember some other special episodes, like there was a bulimia one, and there was a kidnapping yeah. one. And they all, like I said, as a kid, that just seemed to be what sitcoms do. They'll go super serious on you every once in a while. Do mm-hmm. they still do that? <sighs> Is there like a Big Bang Theory episode about like... <laughs> the time they bang too big? Yeah. About, like, MRAs or something. There should be, and I don't think that there is. That'd be, like, the only good Big Bang episode. I mean, the thing is, 
I feel like back then, kids and adults would watch the same shows, and I just don't think that really happens anymore. Yeah. TV's just changed a lot since the 80s in terms of... Like, I don't want to say that it's gotten a lot more sophisticated, because that's discrediting a lot of TV, but it's just, it's made differently, it's aired differently, and I don't know that there's the the same audience for the very special episode like there was in the 80s, and it's, I agree with what you said, David, that, you know, parents and kids probably don't watch the same stuff, at uh-huh. least not as much as they used to, but I also just think that there's just more places to watch TV, so even yeah. if they are watching things together, there isn't that same kind of, like, hit sitcom zeitgeisty sort of thing that there was in the 80s where like yeah the big bang theory is kind of an anomaly because it's just an enormous juggernaut but pretty much every other tv show with a few exceptions would be like canceled within two episodes if it had those kind of if it was airing in the 80s it has the kind of well and i think the distribution of information has changed too where tv is not this singular entity where it's basically where we get all of our entertainment and news and information yeah right. so i just think that it's it's a sitcom doesn't have the same responsibility it used to have in terms of there's a lot of things that reach that many people now i do definitely think that that some shows still do this kind of stuff i just think they're a little bit more subtler about it than they used to mm-hmm. be like well. the, the whole idea of you know someone coming out from the cast and saying Tonight, we're going to be giving you a different look at our show, and we encourage you to talk to your kids. Like, I don't think that really happens as much anymore. Well, and this show is basically, these two episodes are basically like a, it's like a simulation. It's like two episodes to show kids, like, all the warning signs leading up to getting molested, basically. (laughs) Like, it is really made to inform in sort of a smart way. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the yeah. wrap-up of it is really like a Q&A for the audience of, like, how to evaluate this and how to look at it. Yeah, I think this show probably definitely, like, taught a lot of kids a lot of grooming behavior. And if our shows aren't sometimes doing that for kids, I think we're doing them a disservice. Mm-hmm. I agree. I've watched way more Degrassi than a grown man should. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... you have that problem, too. <laughs> And uh, I could explain that a lot, but that's what, what the show about. But this goes that goes into a lot of different topics. Like it deals with MRAs and stuff like that. And Does it's it? Not oh yeah, like somebody nice. gets doxxed basically and all wow. that kind of stuff. Well, I bet like God bless them. They're keeping it modern. Yeah. Does anyone watch Glee? I bet that had a lot of topical oh, shit. I I watched Glee. every episode of Glee except for like yeah. three of them. What? And, like, every third episode was pretty much a very special episode. Okay. Um, yeah. I think it's more common in dramas nowadays than sitcoms. Yeah. yeah. Like, lots of dramas will sort of step back from their normal routine to do, kind of tackle a serious issue. Um, and, like, Degrassi, I mean, you'd, you'd call Degrassi, like, a teen soap, right, David? Oh, yeah. It's a soap opera, yeah. And that's, you know, David has his Degrassi habit. I have my 90210 habit. <laughs> 90210 is another show where from the beginning and right up until the end, every third episode could mm-hmm. reasonably be considered a very, it's tackling some kind of issue. Or I wonder if Austin's going to take us on that journey at some point. <laughs> yeah. oh, you'll see a few 90210 episodes pop up in this podcast. I'll oh, warn you boy. right now. 
And like I saw Degrassi, like I'm just, and it did kind of a, at the end of an episode, they talked to the audience about, you know, there was like a suicide hotline kind of thing and that kind of stuff. And so it's still out there, but as we said, just not in sitcoms anymore. It's usually like if you're funny, you just don't even delve into re- more serious stuff in any earnest. Well, on some of that, like you said, David, on uh, quoting the I Love the 80s, that mm-hmm. this was how sitcoms got Emmys, I think mm-hmm. the modern audience has a better appreciation for comedy and is more able to judge it on its own merits and so like you don't just hand out like the best comedy emmy to like the comedy that is the most dramatic because that's not Mm -hmm. what it's supposed to do that's for the drama emmy so it's a better audiences are more willing to accept just good comedy from its comedy shows did they also get, like, some public funding for tackling issues sometimes? Some of them did. Like, yeah. I I know that a lot of shows did, like, anti-drug episodes, and I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure that Nancy Reagan was slipping them some fins for that. Oh, yeah, good old Nancy. <laughs> I mean, she yeah, showed up, I think she did a, um, I think there's an anti-drug different strokes where, like, yeah, Nancy yeah, Reagan is like, hello, Willis, I'm here to talk about drugs. <laughs> yep. That's oh. what I'm talking about. No, she goes to, like, Gary Coleman's class and gives them a big anti-drug. And she even asks, she's like, how many of you kids have had, done drugs before? And, like, half the class raises their hand. And I'm like, what? who are these fifth-grade coke fiends in our hand? That's awesome. That's why I don't do N-O, is because Nancy Reagan told me yep. N-O-T exactly right. to do it. N-O to N-O from N-R. All right, guys, so let's actually start talking about this episode now. Right. Yes. Alright, uh, so it opens with Conrad Bain, who plays the dad, uh, speaking very candidly to the op- to the audience, to us. Mm-hmm. It has a cold open, both parts do. It's him urging us to uh, watch the episode, he tells us how important it is, and discuss it with our families. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he also said, uh, in 20 years, if you have a podcast, then I urge you to discuss it on that. So, yeah. <laughs> good on you, Conrad Bain. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that he predicted podcasts. I know, like, yeah. such foresight going on. But, it was very you know. prescient of him. It was, like, oh, it was like 33 years ago. So we open in a bike <laughs> shop. Uh, the family all comes in, and they're renting bikes from Mr. Horton, who comes out juggling, as many child molesters do. <laughs> right? Like, I could tell by the way he was juggling those oranges that he was going to be a very thorough raper. Yep. <laughs> so Arnold's dad agrees to buy him a bike. And then the owner, Mr. Morton. Curly. Yeah. Mr. Horton. <laughs> yeah, Horton. Uh, who, who will be, come to be known as Curly. And I'm not really sure what that detail was for, but we'll get to it. Uh, he makes a deal with Arnold that he'll give him a radio for his bike if he passes out promotional flyers to his friends. What's he gonna say? You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You can come out with this present, you can scratch me all over. <laughs> Which is the first thing Arnold says, which I did the frown face yeah. by in my notes, and there's a couple more. Well, would we agree then that Arnold is leading him on at this point? <laughs> Ryan, I thought you told us to handle this well. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I know. I don't think we can. My question okay. about that line <laughs> yeah. was, did they write it, like, Watching this foreshadowing, like yeah, yeah, like watching this episode and knowing what's coming, that sounds like really freakish foreshadowing. But did they just write it because they thought it was a funny line and like didn't 
realize what that would kind of say in the context of what was to come? Well, I think the writers knew what they were writing, but what's weird is, and what none of us would have, have an experience with, is like being able to watch this episode not knowing what's ha- going to happen. Yeah, that's Like, true. how does this all play out? Like, how would you feel watching this not knowing? Because to me, this almost plays like a horror movie because I know that this guy's a pedophile, so it's like you've presented these... Like, when I watch a horror movie, I'm just always waiting for the characters to die, and it's just kind of odd that way. And, like, when I'm watching this, I'm just waiting for the skeevy stuff to happen, and it's just... Yeah, that's a, a good point, because I mean, I've literally never seen these episodes before I watched them for this podcast, but mm-hmm. I knew what it was about and what was going to happen, and you, I my my Spidey sense was tingling for mm-hmm. signs of perviness from this guy. And I remember when Spider-Man they talked were there. about molesters. He did, yeah, yeah. Spider-Man got molested, too. Mm-hmm. I have a really good Spider-Man, uh, <laughs> like an eight-page PSA comic about uh, contraceptives. Wow. Oh, wow. Spider-Man just hauls off his phrase uh, anywhere he wants. <laughs> well, because it covers itself, you know? Carolyn, did you have the live, like an actor actually talk to you in school? No. Oh. Why would I have had that? Did you? <laughs> no, I, it was a school <laughs> forum, like uh, in like fifth grade or something. We were all ushered to the gym, and then there's a guy in a Spider-Man costume no. pretending to be Spider-Man who taught us about... <laughs> Molesters, basically. Are you, did he are you teach being you serious? By I'm being 100% serious. And he talked about what? how when he was a That's kid, he got awesome. molested. And, you know, you have to what? talk to adults. Yes. No, I read a comic, dude. What David, the hell? I am. I have never been more <laughs> angry that I didn't go to the same elementary school. <laughs> what the fuck? Spider Man? Was it really Spider Man? <laughs> well. Was he I fat? Was he like? There was no evidence know. of him. Uh, he never webbed and like swung his way in. Yeah, which I would have preferred. Did he like? Was he ripped? No, I'm just picturing some like fat old guy trying to like yeah. swing on a rope onto the stage. Yeah. Yeah, he had a pretty good physique. He was thin. He he. he hey he kids, I'm the Spider Man. <laughs> if someone touches you, report it. <laughs> I'm Spider-Man. Um, David, when Spider-Man came to your school, did he molest you? No, Spider-Man's a good guy. He taught me not to get molested. Well, speaking of unsettling moments, well, I do want to say, too, in terms of the dialogue, there's a really weird disconnect, because I would say as a narrative and the way they wrap it up, it's actually pretty smart and well done. And it's a good story of caution. Yeah. But then all the things that make it qualify as a sitcom are very uh, out of place. Like, every time there's basically anything that the audience laughs at, it's uncomfortable. Well, that's the other weird thing about very special episodes is a lot of them are filmed before a live studio audience. And I think the live studio audience has no idea what they're supposed to do with the material they're presenting. Yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. Totally. And that's, uh, there are, I'm pretty sure, and you know, we'll obviously figure this out as we go along. I'm pretty sure there are some very special sitcom episodes that just, they abandoned all pretense at humor or nearly all pretense at humor. Yeah. Um, this is not one of them. I mean, this definitely tries to do the normal sitcom stuff while it's doing its message. And you're yeah. right. It is just like uncomfortable when they just cut to like a cheap gag and the audience cracks up and you're just like, yeah, but that guy's going to do bad things. 
Yeah, like yeah. when a toilet flushes and everyone laughs and you're like, I'm pretty sure that kid just got raped. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right, And like yeah. there's the, yeah, when the, yeah, Mr. Horton is setting up for the kids to come over and he takes out a nudie mag. Yeah. And then there's like, like laughter. Yeah, he <laughs> like, slips it in amongst some comic books and the yeah. audience laughs and you're like, why is just the the presence of a porno mag hilarious. <laughs> and then why is it funny that he's hiding it amongst comic books? They turned on the laughter sign. You gotta laugh. <laughs> so, uh, and speaking of unsettling moments, one that doesn't get addressed is when Arnold goes to his school to hand out flyers. He's having trouble giving them away, and he goes up to a small girl and threatens to punch her in the face. Take it off! Punch your lights up! <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he won't take a flyer. Where is the very special episode about not punching women in the face? <laughs> yeah, but she could take care of herself, though, because she stared down Gary Coleman pretty quickly. Which That's is, true. It's pretty awesome. Thankfully, she's strong enough to put up with that. Yeah, but I, I do think more television should come out against punching women in the face. You'd I hope so. Maybe, maybe, maybe by 2032? I don't know. <laughs> so then Arnold's friend Dudley... Uh, does a very good job of handing out the flyers. So is he a regular cast member? I got no clue. I I got the impression that he is that that he is uh, in the he is one in the long-standing TV tradition of the main character's slightly mischievous friend. Yeah, the I can see the that Eddie Haskell to Gary Coleman's Beaver, if you will. He's like the Ralph Malf. Yes, that that uh, they are the they're just slightly more amoral than the main character, mm-hmm. so that they push the main character into uh, questionable situations that then turn into either comedic or teaching moments. Do we know how sexual the lines are usually? Because I mean, we know the kids are going to get molested, so everything that Gary Coleman says. Is very we're uncomfortable, but we get laughs. Do we know like if he usually talks like like a brazen hussy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he intentionally talks like a brazen hussy. All I know is that he asks what you talking about. I will say that I got in contact with our cracked research team. Oh yeah, and oh, they say that Dudley was on forty three episodes. Okay. So Dudley wants in on the deal. He wants a radio also. So uh, Arnold agrees to ask Mr. Horton. So we go back to the bike shop. Uh, Mr. Horton is like uh, ushering a kid out of the store and he's giving him some candy and being like, don't tell anyone you were here, which is the first dead giveaway. Yeah, that's the first hint. (laughs) That's a great clue. Yeah. (laughs) He says, uh, just don't tell your parents about all the candy I gave you, which... Mm -hmm. I even even if candy. that's not a euphemism, that's still an ominous sign. Yeah. So then uh, he takes Arnold into the back room and gives him ice cream. Oh, and this is, uh, so this is where we learn, it's not just the back room. We learn that, like, his house is his bicycle shop. Uh-huh. That, like, he goes through the, the door behind the cash register, and he it's like a living room, and then his bed is in the back, and there's a kitchen. And he, like, lives on the flip side of his bicycle shop. And that's almost creepy in and of itself. Yeah, I feel like that's just a convenience for TV thing, really. Yeah. It's gotta be, right? 
And Arnold gives out two more lines, which I think are just too um, terrible not to I'm, read. I'm pretty sure I know what one of them is. Uh, the first one is that he's back for another load. <laughs> oh, I didn't catch that one. <laughs> I super did. Uh, the second one, and that's when he's coming back to get the flyers, and then when he's about to get this banana split, there's plenty you can mm-hmm. have there, but oh, there's what yeah. I have. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good with words if I put my mouth to it. He also tells him... My tongue is faster than a hummingbird's wings. Yes, that one too. Is Which big. I guess would have been better if it was Ms. Horton, but you know, you take what you can get. <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't know if guys need a fast tongue, but they'll take Doesn't it. Doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. So Mr. Horton says he can come over and ride the bike, and he's like, you can come over and don't tell anyone, and he's really, and then they tell each other how much they like each other a lot. Yeah, um, that was weird. Just everything just gives you, you know, goosebumps or whatever. Well, and the way it's played is really kind of interesting. Gary Coleman's kind of reaction to everything. I mean, it makes sense, though. It is pretty much how a kid would respond to all this stuff. Yeah. Gary Coleman is a really good actor. Is he better than Emmanuel Lewis was? Yeah. I think I think generally that's... Yeah, that is one thing I noticed watching this was that Gary Coleman was really good, actually, <laughs> at acting. He's got... Yeah, he's got so much charisma. Mm-hmm. I think that's what they were trying mm-hmm. to have when they had the little baby boy in the hospital in the Saved by the Bell Christmas episode. Yeah, oh, that yeah. didn't work yeah. out. He was oh, that poor kid. He was totally. <laughs> they were totally going for for this kind of a vibe there. And you just can't get that. You can't force this kind of star power. <laughs> also true. about Saved by the Bell. This whole episode, I was feeling like what we needed was a Saved by the Bell very special episode warning us about the Bell Dog. Oh yeah. <laughs> Finger guns. <laughs> I, I thought we all agreed to put all that behind us. I can't yet. <laughs> Can you? Have you all? God. We're going to have a very special intervention. Mm-hmm. Now I'm the fool. <laughs> <laughs> so Arnold goes home and he tells everyone he was at Dudley's because he's covering up his ice cream rendezvous. And he's not very good at it. And I wrote down, if you're going to be the subject of creepy molestation, you're going to need to learn to be a better liar. Yeah, you're gonna have to keep your mouth shut. Yeah. And sometimes open. Yeah, but then like Willis helps him with a lie saying, You're probably eating pretzels at the pretzel stand. He's like, Oh yeah, you caught me. And then yeah, they just all accept it and then I'm like, Mr what well, I can't think of his name now. Drummond. Yeah, Mr. Drummond should be a little more suspicious about what's going on here. His kids just like wandering around doing stuff. New York City like <laughs> New York City in the early eighties, which was not a, as nice a place as it is, like, today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he thought he was at Dudley's. No, he didn't. He knew he wasn't at Dudley's, because Dudley Cause... had co- called for him, I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. He's yeah. like, where were you? I was at Dudley's. Oh, that's funny, because Dudley said he was coming over here. Mm-hmm. I was strolling, and I talked to a parrot who was lonely, <laughs> yeah. and I kept strolling. Some great, great excuses. Uh-huh. <laughs> So then we go back to the bike shop, and this is where Mr. Horton is prepping his room for the kids coming over, and he's got the porno mag. Ew. Which is just hilarious, apparently. There is a certain <laughs> point in this episode where I'm like, I hope there aren't, like, wannabe pedophiles taking notes or anything. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, yeah. yeah, when you try to teach people to avoid it, you also don't want to give out too many tips. <laughs> but at this day and age, you've got to imagine... The pedophiles have their forums. They're disgusting. Yeah. Uh, well, these days, yeah. Yeah, but I do, I mean, to your point, David, I, I feel like they, the, to, and to this episode's credit, somewhat, they do a 
pretty good job of showing like realistically how someone like this could lure kids in. Yeah. Um, and that's what's, I, I mean, yeah, that's what's I frightening so. about it, but uh-huh. Well, one thing that was really unsettling about this to me was that so the kids come over, it's raining, and they go into Mr. Horton's back room and he's making pizza and he's got comic books and video games and mm-hmm. cartoons. So he basically lives in all of our apartments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, the amount of stuff I had in common with Mr. Horton, <laughs> with one major difference, <laughs> but... Your age. He's significantly yeah, he's older, older than, than you. Than me. <laughs> but I, was, I had too many interests in common with him. I, yeah. I, well, you can try to feel better in knowing that he probably wasn't really interested in those things, but were simply using those things. Yeah, unlike us, who are. Yeah, where we are just legitimately like video games and comics and... Man, his his standing cabinet, his arcade cabinet with that wood siding is still baller. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, I really wanted to hang out there. <laughs> I was like, yeah. that's why it kind of spoke to me as an episode of how this could happen. I'd be like, this right? is the place I'd like to hang out. Yeah, I mean, take out the molestation. It would be a great time. <laughs> well, would it be worth it? I mean, for me or for him? Once again, being sensitive to this horse material. I know. <laughs> I mean, let's be fair. There was pizza and ice cream too. That's I know, and and porno, David, <laughs> and porn. I and chuckled at like pie. the terrible uh, prop pizza. Like it was yeah. just like yeah. some super small. I'm like, what the hell kind of pizza is he serving? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was definitely weird looking. That's not the pizza I would use to lure children. <laughs> <laughs> and Ar- Arnold claims that they call him Old Pizza Nose, and I wondered if. <laughs> Do they? Do they really call you old pizza nose? It's not a good nickname. It's not catchy. What kind of pizza do you give to kids, David? <laughs> uh, Ryan, you know David well enough to know he doesn't give kids pizza. He eats it all himself. Yeah, I know. <laughs> There's a flaw in that plan if I were to execute it. You have kids over just to make them watch you eat pizza? <laughs> You're like, oh, gee whiz, Mr. Cool. Pitsenhofer, can I have some pizza? No! He's like, come on over, kids. I got pizza and video games. And then and they're like, we didn't know we were just going to watch you eat pizza and play video games. And that's how David hung out with the crack research team. Girl, that's how I lured them over here. So then Arnold and Dudley see the porno. Uh, Dudley gives a great, he goes, the ladies are naked. The ladies are naked. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everybody's laughing. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah, audience is really they're, they're eating it up. They think this is just like the cat's pajamas. I mean, it is a humorous scenario if you take out the molester part. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if they had just happened upon like in a dumpster or something and found a porno, you could <laughs> in see in the it. woods. <laughs> yeah. Under a under a plank in the woods. <laughs> That's such yes, a under real a plank thing. in the woods where everyone who grew up in the 90s first saw porn. It's true. Mm-hmm. Why is that true? But it is. Because, like, people will leave them there for children and they try stump? to catch you. I yeah. feel like yeah. there was a group pact made amongst, like, 20-somethings in the 80s to leave behind their playboys for the next generation to find yeah. in the woods. When, when yeah. you're done jerking off, give it back to the land. Or something. Does anybody ever, like, do the real sitcom where that was the plot? They found porno? Yeah, woods porno. So. Yeah, I don't, I'm not aware of what offhand, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was out there. 
I did Alex P. Keaton stumble across a porno mag in the <laughs> there woods. There was a Silver Spoons episode. Really? Where Ricky Schroeder and his friend, because they have cable, this is 80s cable, and theoretically there's going to be late night porn, but then Ricky Schroeder's dad always locks the TV with a key or something like that to keep him from watching it. But then they basically, him and his friend, devise a plan to get the key and actually watch it. But then yeah. get busted while watching. So here's where <laughs> shit gets. Here's where shit gets real. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Horton sees them with the porno, and he tells, starts telling them how there's nothing wrong with it, and the human body is a work of art, and yeah. you can you can just have an awful lot of fun with your clothes off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so good. And then yes. he starts showing them photos of himself skinny dipping with a bunch of kids, yeah. which is frightening and disturbing on several levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really the point of no return. Yeah. That's when uh, I don't even have a shitty joke to make about it. This is yeah. fucked up. Um, and De- Dudley thinks it looks fun. And Arnold's a little more hesitant. Arnold is more sensible than Dudley in this scenario. Mm-hmm. And then he starts offering them wine. Which Michael Jackson would call Jesus juice. I really thought of Michael Jackson. Right? Because Emmanuel Lewis has the relationship to MJ. I feel like that wouldn't be my choice of alcohol to lure children, but... What is it your choice, David? (laughs) Wow, he he just walked right into that one, didn't he? I know. (laughs) But that's the first thing I thought. I'm like, I don't know if wine would taste good to a kid, right? And they kind of... No, but no alcohol does. Yeah, Yeah. but you can put it in cool, like vodka Kool-Aid or something like that, right? This is a dangerous road to walk down, but I feel like of all of the various... How would we lure these kids, you guys? Yeah, Yeah. I know. Of all the various liquors, it's probably the easiest. Because, like, beer is terrible tasting to kids, and, like, booze burns. So, like, with wine, you could just be like, oh, it's like grape juice or something. I don't know. You you guys don't know shit. If you're going (laughs) to molest a kid... Peppermint schnapps in hot chocolate, yeah. idiot. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mixers. What about, like, Mixers rum are the key. in pineapple juice? Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. Or even a rum and coke, right? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, I hope no molesters are listening to our show. <laughs> I know. Why are we coming up with molester special? <laughs> it just seemed like an odd choice. But apparently Michael Jackson uses wine to lure kids. Is that yeah. Well, he did. He used dead, rest no. in peace. Allegedly, I don't think he's dead, but <laughs> he just came out with an album with Tupac. All right, so this was too. This really reminded me of like peer pressure in my youth. That mm-hmm. I was always really annoyed by peer pressure as a kid because I would know that things were not a good idea. Come on, Ryan! Everyone thinks peer pressure is cool. <laughs> I just could never get over like like yeah, just that thing of Arnold being like, I don't know if I should drink this wine because this guy's gonna molest us. And Dudley being like, Don't be such a fucking stick in the mud, mm. Arnold. And like that's what I remember peer pressure feeling like. Like you're doing something really dumb, but you're being a dick to me that I'm not gonna do it too. And the, mm-hmm. the pressure of it was very odd. Everyone who's cool gets molested. <laughs> and, it, and it was played realistically in that, like, Arnold was like, I don't know if I should drink wine. He's like, well, I'm sure Dudley would like some wine. And he's like, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, oh, I guess you don't have to drink if you don't want to. And he's like, all right, if everyone else. Yeah, he's, Mr. Horton is an accomplished child molester. He knows how <laughs> to play these, play pit these kids against each other to get what he wants. Mm-hmm. But uh, he also plays the... Uh, well, they do it this way in Europe card, 
which, yeah. which seems to be, I feel like the worst thing Europe has ever done is create an exotic other for various sex criminals to point to as justification for their behavior. <laughs> well, plus also most of World War II. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Brexit. Yeah. Oh, and, Brexit, and Brexit, yeah. 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 So then he starts uh, playing a camera game with them. Where he basically gets Dudley to take his shirt off and takes a bunch of weird photos of well, him. This is posing where, with Arnold. So the idea is that these kids are like, I think they say at the beginning, because the whole thing starts, like you said, with Arnold getting a bike for, or the promise to get a bike for his birthday. And I think he said at some point that he's like 11 and he's going to turn 12 soon. Mm-hmm. And this is where I'm not sure if this is just my understanding of like, if kids today are, have are just different, but when like Mr. Horton says like, Hey, I got my trusty camera here. Do you kids like taking pictures? And like, yeah, that sounds like fun. Let's take some pictures. And I'm like, I just can't see any 12 year old kid nowadays being like, yes, taking pictures is a fun game. To you know, maybe it has something to, yeah, maybe it has something to do with how now kids have their own phone by that point, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and that you could have be. your camera in the phone. But back in the day, it used to be more selective to have that equipment. Like, you couldn't just get your selfie by yourself. And there might be a little bit of, like, everything Mr. Horton has been doing right now has been fun, so maybe this game will be fun, too, you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I definitely, it got me thinking about, like, <laughs> this is going to sound. It got me thinking about today's 12-year-olds, and this is maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like their 12-year-olds are just more jaded and and savvy, where I feel like like Mr. Horton's approach would work on, like, an 8-year-old today, but a 12-year-old would be like, man, this crazy old guy is trying to molest us. Let's get out of here. So you're saying it's their own fault, is what you're saying? No, I'm saying that... You're saying Dudley got what he deserved. <laughs> yeah. That he wanted it. He was asking for it, actually. I'm yes. saying that this may have this may have worked in 1983, but I don't know it would work today. Well, it's weird because it's almost like shows you what's actually important about this. Because I do think in 1983, kids were less inclined to yeah. even know that child molestation was a thing. Right. Yeah. And right. so, and that's also why they wouldn't say anything about what happened because the shame and the, and that there's no cultural context for mm-hmm. whose fault it is or why yeah. this happened. Mm-hmm. Or, or they don't even know why they feel bad about it, you know? like Well, like I was listening to, this is very uh, timely, uh, uh, one of the women who came out and said Trump uh, groped her on an airplane uh, on the news the other day, and they mm-hmm. said, well, why didn't you tell anyone? And she said, it didn't even occur to me to ever tell anyone, because it was, you know, it was 20 years, it's just not the environment. Mm-hmm. Ryan, pretty... would you just leave that poor man alone and quit piling <laughs> on him? Hasn't he been through enough already? <laughs> well, Jesus you know, the election's Christ. rigged against him anyway. I know, so it doesn't matter part anyway. Of the conspiracy. It's just interesting how, because we can, you know, laugh at the the ludicrous elements of this or whatever, but I do think it actually helped this scenario enter into the public yeah. consciousness. Like, yeah. it actually did raise awareness. And I, I want to yeah. be clear, like, I'm not criticizing the episode for having 12-year-olds fall for this. It just made me realize that, for better and worse, really... Um, I don't think 12 year olds would fall for it in the same way today, which isn't to say that like bad shit can't happen to 12 year olds. And that if a 12 year old falls for it, it is their fault. I just think in general, partially probably because of this episode. And like you said, the culture has changed 
kids, I think they're, they get older faster now and this yeah. could still happen, but I think it just more is more likely to happen to younger and younger kids nowadays. Whereas like 12 year olds are just more jaded and, well, nowadays, 12-year-olds are just having consensual sex with well, that's, each other. I mean, almost? Like, that's... It's a pretty plausible scenario for the time, as far as yeah. I can tell. I think, though, the real thing with a lot of molestation is that it happens within the family mm. and within family friends and, like, yeah. step-parents. That, com- and... that adds, like, a whole nother level of complication. Right. I think that just... And it's less like you will side with the children. Which they touch on, <laughs> pun not intended, a little bit more toward the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, I think it was, it was really good of them to bring this scenario to light, even though in most instances, I think the child's fears are coming from inside the house, which mm-hmm. is yeah. really, really, really difficult. And at yeah. least this guy, at least they presented him as not necessarily a stranger, like some random guy who grabs him. Like it seems like uh-huh. this is somebody they knew. Even though we probably never saw him before on the show, somebody right. they played off as they've met him before, and they yeah. the kids generally like him. Yeah, and the grooming behavior made a lot of sense, mm-hmm. and it was really helpful, I'm sure, to see. So part one ends with uh, Mr. Horton taking photos of Dudley with his shirt off, and like, like David pointed out, the audience just starts applauding at this scenario <laughs> because it's the end of the episode, which is very strange. Yeah. So then part two, uh, we got another intro from Conrad Bain. And I do think it's interesting in both of his introductions that he gives a very serious, we're doing a special episode here. We want you to talk about what you see here with your kids, sit down as a family and go over it. Yet never once do they mention by name what it is that we're talking about. Huh. Yeah, that's true. Well, I think maybe they thought that if they opened with, like, today's episode's about child molestation. <laughs> yeah. like, maybe people weren't going to watch it. That's, that that's they true. They wanted I mean, to intrigue them. I'm not necessarily them. criticizing them. I'm just pointing out that the second time through his introduction, I'm like, they're really dancing around not saying what's happening, and they could have yeah. valid reasons for that. But Well, because yeah. they do at the end. They explicitly yeah. say it by, at the end. Yeah. yeah, and I think some of it might be just to set up the dramatic because you don't know what's going like theoretically you don't know yeah, what's happening and so you don't and maybe that helps to show how you can get lulled in like you don't necessarily know this guy's a bad guy and how you can see somebody can pray or on like it. there's a chance that like five minutes into this episode mr horton will be like let's eat a lot of food and then throw it all up and you're like oh he's believing <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's what this is about yeah he's got a bad body image which is why he wants to take <laughs> naked pictures of everyone um <laughs> So, one thing I thought was weird, too, is the, like, last time on different strokes <laughs> yeah. thing, is it opens with, like, moving footage, like, film footage of Arnold and Dudley giving out the flyers, Yeah, with- and then it just turns into film stills with a voiceover, like, after that. I just thought it was weird that they used both <laughs> methods. I thought it was weird that they showed Arnold and Dudley handing out flyers, which Arnold and Dudley never did in the episode. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. They talked about it. We never actually saw the two of them handing out flyers together. Oh, shit. That wasn't footage from the first that episode? That was not footage from the first episode. Weird. Huh. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Do you guys think that the ALF very special episode on child molestation was just avoid people who look like Willie? <laughs> Aww. <laughs> Poor Willie. 
<laughs> Come on. Come on. He looks like a classic child. Come on. Oh, I think Elf would be a Austin had that. Wow. I know. You didn't know about his Willy impression? No. You didn't know about Austin's Willy? <laughs> so, well, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. In the meantime, Dudley rides Mr. Horton around. Oh, no. Jesus. And uh, Mr. Horton keeps trying to give them more wine. Oh, oh here's where Dudley pressures Arnold. Yeah. yeah. And this is my, this was, of everything, this is like the most disturbing detail to me. Was when he's plying them with wine, and I think Arnold says, you know, if I drink that, my dad will smell it on my breath, which is, you know, a legitimate concern. And, like, as if from nowhere, Mr. Horton produces, like, a pre-prepped jar of gum and mints. And he's like, don't worry, I've got plenty of gum and mints here to cover up that alcohol in your breath. And it was just, it was that little detail that just really creeped me out. Just how prepared he was. Yeah, Beware of the overly prepared. It wasn't just like he has a pack of gum in a drawer, but he has like a wide variety of different gums and mints all laid out in a bowl ready to go. And you're just like, oh man, he's done this a lot and that's terrible. Well, and if, if there's one thing I learned from this is that no amount of gum can cover <laughs> up the smell of wine, yeah. which we'll get to in a minute. But Did yeah. this make anybody want wine? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time I had to have some drinks to get through episodes that we watched and discussed. So then he wants to play the trampoline game where they jump up and down on his bed. And this is where he tells them to call him Curly, which uh, feels more significant than it is, I guess. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I guess the idea is just this is... This is part of the, the the molestation process where it's like, don't call me by that adult name. Call me by, like, a goofy kid-sounding yeah. name because mm. we're peers and we're all getting along and that kind of stuff. I can see that, yeah. You wonder what it's like to be that actor, though, man? That's a weird I thought about that. I was like, man, how do, you, how do you feel going through life being like, I played the pervert on different strokes? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he had other roles and, like, this was a favor, right? Well, has our crack research team done any investigation? Our crack research team did look into that because it was very disturbed by by the thought of, like, what this poor actor has gone through. Um, But let me check with them and see what, uh, what this guy has been in before. Well, in the interim, Conrad Bain shows up and really gums up this whole molestation process. <laughs> he really salts this guy's game. <laughs> he really does. What a cockblock. This is a, that was a tough scene for me where he's like, he could almost bust him and you can kind of feel it. And then Mr. Horton is acting all like blue walled and stuff. It was weird. Yeah. I also love how he's like, Oh, I'm here to buy the bike. Will you take a credit card? And I was like, ah, the early eighties when mm-hmm. not everyone took a credit card. And he had to run it in that Kerchunk machine. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mr. Yeah. Horton's like, whatever, just go out. I, I was half expecting him to be like, you could just have the bike. Yeah, totally. <laughs> whatever gets you out of here. Yeah, no. Well, what's interesting to me, too, is like, because this guy seems like he's really good at molesting kids. <laughs> but he didn't even lock up his bike shop. Yeah, I know. You'd think if you got a bowl handy of mints... <laughs> he just would have think he had thought of everything, but he didn't even think to close his bike Well, shop. he's a businessman, too. That's sure. why he has his molestation station right next to the bike shop. He's a multitasker, just like he likes to juggle oranges. So you're saying he's a businessman first and a molester second? Yeah, okay. but, I mean, he was hurrying the business along. Sure. And 
got called out for it. Uh, breaking from our crack research team, Mr. Horton is played by a gentleman named Gordon Jump, and uh, he is probably best known as the radio station manager Arthur Carlson in WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh, which Willie was also on that show. He was, yeah. yeah. He was on... Uh, uh, how many episodes? 90 episodes of WKRP wow. Cincinnati. So did everyone on that show just look like a child molester? I guess so. That's why they worked <laughs> in radio. Yeah, WKRP. That sounds a little bit like... Pedophile. Uh, it went off the air in 82, and then this was 80. Like, he had a couple of other roles, but uh, he pretty much, in terms of, like, high-profile stuff, went from that to playing a child molester in a very special different strokes. He was apparently also a night. Mm-hmm. Oh, he molested Bull Shannon. <laughs> uh, he was Who in 11, was 11 episodes of Growing Pains. Ooh. So, yeah, he definitely, I mean, uh, he is, he did not get typecast as a child molester. He definitely has a lot of work on his resume. <laughs> That'd be kind of amazing if this one actor was the one who molested everybody on different series. <laughs> he just did the rounds. It's yeah. like those guys who play Hitler 30 times and different stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Arnold sees his dad and decides to run out the back door. I'm not going to say anything about that. <laughs> so He's safe. So then after the molester is done selling the bike, he goes out to the back and sees the kids have left. And he's pretty disappointed. He's like, ah, fiddlesticks. Shucks. Fooey. <laughs> and then Arnold's back home, and this is where he has chewed up a giant wad of gum, but he still smells like wine. His siblings smell it on him. Yeah, and Willis says he's gone from the nipple straight to the ripple. <laughs> yeah, which I didn't really know what that meant. What's the ripple? I guess it's wine, right? I, like a brand of it? I don't know. I just wrote that line down because it sounded funny. <laughs> and then uh, Arnold's defense is, it's only wine, to which I wrote, he sounds like my wife. Hi-oh! <laughs> Uh, and then he also says, it's not like he's going to find me sleeping in the gutter with a red nose. And the audience loses their shit. It's big laughs and applause. And I wondered if that was like a, a specific reference to something yeah, that was like timely. Or? The hobo clown of the paintings of yore. Okay. Just general. I feel like at this point, the studio audience is just so grateful at a laugh <laughs> that they just give it their all. <laughs> They're just like, thank God it's not another somber molestation scene. Right? Speaking of somber molestation, (laughs) you do know that Todd Bridges is, like, really out about his Hollywood experience and Uh how there's pedophiles Mm. everywhere. Sure. Him and the surviving Corey have made some really good strides on that, and I would like to commend them. Yeah. Well, the the dead Corey said some stuff about it, too. Sure. And now you saw what happened to him. Yeah. Fucking Hollywood. It's true. I actually just watched the two Corys again recently. That would be a good, very special episode. <laughs> That's the whole thing. That's the whole uh, series. Yeah, it's all on YouTube. So, apparently, Ripple was a fortified wine produced by E&J Gallo Winery, low-end fortified wine that was popular in the United States, particularly in the 1970s. Oh, okay. There you go. I was right. It also rhymes with nipple. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised they let this baby boy say nipple. I know. It's a little weird. But this was an adult episode, I guess. I don't know. So then Arnold and Dudley go back for more to the bike shop. (laughs) (laughs) And Arnold says he feels funny about all this sneaking around. 
But then there are cartoons in Boston Cream Pie. This was another point where I questioned their age. Where I was just like, would 12-year-olds really be that excited about cartoons? I feel like 12-year-old is when you're starting to be like, that's kid stuff. I'm cool and I'm an adult. So what is this pornographic mouse cartoon that he's showing? Carol, I assume you're familiar with this. I thought yeah. I would be. Um, I'm familiar with The Adventures of Everready Hard On. What's that? Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> Windsor McKay and uh-huh. a bunch of animators in 1920 just did this together. The exposers for shit. Because it's just like shot in between other real cartoons. <laughs> and it's just a guy with a hard on. And he's running around and his dick's as big as him. And uh-huh. he like fucks a cow. What? And he puts it in a bunghole like a barrel. And what, yeah, at the end, the cow is, like, licking his lips, and I think that's where they go out. It's just, it's really good. Huh. It's, like, it's a really good pornographic cartoon. What do the, thought... the kids you showed it to think of it? <laughs> they think I'm cool. When they come over to eat ice cream and watch <laughs> cartoons and play and video games. And drink some pie. Jesus juice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we have a great time. I'm the coolest mom on the block. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it might be, like, a reference to Fritz the Cat or something. Yeah, probably. Yeah, there's so, so there's a bunch of pornographic cartoons, right, Fritz? Are there um, a lot? I don't know. I think there's more all the time, if I'm to believe that the internet is a thing. <laughs> sure. Like rule 34. And back in the day, I've definitely seen, like, erotic cartoons from the 70s. Just, like, people screwing and shit, you know? Running around with boners, fucking cows. Yeah. Yeah. So, this is Arnold's, this is the last straw for Arnold. Yeah, where he's, he's like, I'll come over and do a bunch of weird shit. You can take shirtless pictures. You can do a bu- but I'm not watching a naked mouse cartoon. <laughs> I'm leaving, and Dudley's like, "Fuck that! I'm sticking around." I like that Arnold takes the Boston cream pie with him. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. a nice. That was a baller move. Yeah. He takes the plate. He's got the pie. I'm like, I'm with this kid. <laughs> it was. I may be running from a awesome. prevert, but I'm taking this pie with me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Nothing wrong with this pie. Does anyone? Feel the need to say anything about it being a cream pie, or can we just, can we just move through it? I feel like that's low hanging fruit that we can we can easily avoid. Look at us avoid that rotten fruit. <laughs> I don't want you to ruin Boston cream pie for me, Carolyn. <laughs> I feel like we all just grew up a little bit. Oh my god, <laughs> really getting profound. I did wonder. This was another sign of the times because uh, Mr. Horton says that he got the the pictures that they took the previous date or whenever it was developed. Yeah, who's and developing? And where I'm like, man, what did the Photoshop guy who developed those things? Like, <laughs> I know. Here's some about- shirtless boys riding on a man's back. <laughs> what about the naked pics with him and kids? Oh, those look like Polaroids. Maybe. Yeah, they may have. He specifically said that he developed the pictures that they took. Yeah. Maybe he's got like a, a studio in the back. Or like so just a pedophile developer friend. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe he like he, he gets to make copies of the pictures or something. Mm-hmm. I definitely knew a guy that worked at a film development place, and he said he always made extra copies for himself and never people had naked pictures. <laughs> I yeah, believe does, it. Do you guys remember photo development places? Yeah, yeah, vaguely. And having to pay like eight bucks to get your roll of film. And development. half of them were just like your fucking thumb. That's right. Yeah. yeah, you'd like take a picture and you wouldn't know for weeks if it turned out right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, what barbarians? How did we live? Yeah, I don't know. 
so then back at the house, uh, Dudley, Dudley's dad comes over and he tells Arnold's Dadly. Dadly, <laughs> dad. and he tells Arnold's dad to stop giving Dudley wine. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what's and, funny about it is he has this conversation with him, which it seems like, because Dudley says that told came home with wine on his breath and so told his dad that he got it from Mr. Drummond. And so then he comes over, and I assume this was going to be like kind of a sensitive conversation, but they just talk right in front of the other two kids. Well, they don't just talk in front of the two kids. Like, the two kids are sitting on the couch, and Dudley's dad sits between them. Like, he's like <laughs> right next to them. Like, they don't right. even move for him or anything. And like the dadly was being really polite about yeah. it. Yeah. Like, I if it's be not too much trouble, this. could you please not give my son wine? <laughs> yeah, please stop feeding my baby boy wine. And I actually didn't clock that they were twelve until you said so, Austin. I just thought that you know because Gary Coleman looks so young mm-hmm. because he has the dwarfism. You no, know, he's actually like twenty five in this, right? <laughs> He looks like a little baby nine-year-old, which makes him even more of an impressive actor yeah. when you think he's that young. I mean, this is season five, right? I yeah. Guess. So oh, he's right. been on this. He's been doing this for five years. He was in a bunch of movies. Yeah, there stuff, was. Uh, Mr. Horton had a line in the previous scene where he was talking about how like he only looks like an adult because we worry a lot or something like yeah. that. Yeah. No, yeah, Webster got to say that. Which, yeah, which I thought was ironic because Gary Coleman only looks like a kid because he's got this kidney disease that mm-hmm. keeps him yep. girl. Uh, a kidney disease. Uh, so then the, the siblings intervene and say that what's going on, and then... Uh, Dudley and I are going to have a little heart-to-heart talk. Arnold and I may have a little hand-to-butt talk. <laughs> I know. Right? Casual spanking. Yeah, so there's not, at I guess... Best, casual at best. Spanking spanking. Casual spanking on a 12-year-old. Like, could you imagine? <laughs> yeah. Like, nowadays, if you spank a 12-year-old, like, that's straight-up child abuse. Yeah. And molestation. Yeah, and molestation. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just interesting, the range of values present. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, a hand-to-butt talk, let's be honest, that could be that could be literally a full Muppet situation where <laughs> you're putting your hand in their butt and making them talk. Wow. I didn't, I didn't even think about that. The full Kermit. Ah, give, give him the Kermit. So then Arnold comes home and his dad questions him, to which Arnold replies, What you talking about, Dad? He said it, you guys! He said the line! He said it! He said it! He didn't say it to Willis. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And he didn't say it at all in the first episode, but he finally said the line. I know, it was great. It just made me think of the Simpsons episode when Bart's the I didn't do it boy. Yep. Right. Say the line! I didn't do it. Woo! (laughs) So then he fully narks on Mr. Horton, and the audience laughs at Arnold's description of the events, which I thought was really weird. Mm -hmm. Well, while I was there with Dudley, he gave us some pizza and wine. What else went on there? He showed us some pictures. Everybody was naked. <laughs> naked? And he showed us some kinky cartoons. <laughs> in the probes. Because, like, what is it? It's not like we're sitting in the audience <laughs> <laughs> laughing like assholes at I these mean, descriptions. And it to, is like that. And in the audience's defense, they're just sheep who are being told to laugh by the sign. So maybe the sign people shouldn't have flipped it on. Yeah, so really the point is that we are a bunch of pieces of shit. Yeah. yeah. Basically. Well, it's interesting, too, because then Arnold's dad is like, really goes through the protocol. He's like, oh, okay, I'm going to go down there. Actually, I'm going to call the cops first before yeah. I go down there. And then also I'm going to call Dadley. 
Also, I'm going to order a pizza. Also, I'm going to get my hair did. i got to get a haircut before we bust this molester. Well, he's instructing us viewers as yes. to what we should do in this situation, which is yeah. don't confront him uh, yourself. Get the police involved. But I don't know, you guys. Isn't being a vigilante cool? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Batman wouldn't have called the police. It's true, he wouldn't have. Batman never calls the police. But then the bicycle man would have been back on the streets in weeks. He'd have just locked him up with a U-lock <laughs> and spray-painted, like, Chimo on him. So then uh, the dad shows up with the cops. Which would be a lot more dramatic if the cop didn't look like an extra <laughs> that they just slapped an overcoat on. <laughs> it's true. He kind of looked like the molester. Right? Especially, like, <laughs> in the old television show. Imagine, like, the, 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 the pixelation being worse mm-hmm. than it was. So then the cop's going to go into this room, and he's like, uh, Arnold's dad, you might not want to see this, because there might be some really fucked up shit in here. And then he opens the door, and there's a the sound of a toilet flushing, which the audience just loves. It's safe. It's okay. He was just shitting out semen. He's fine now. <laughs> and, yeah, I thought all the levity in this was just very Unearned. unsettling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely a sense that the someone involved in the production, whether it's the writers or the director or whatever is afraid to go too long without a joke. Yeah, mm-hmm. so they're like, let's just put a laugh right in the middle of a really intense dramatic scene. Right, and if, right. And if they can't write a joke, then they're just going to flip the, the laughter sign on and turn whatever's happening into a joke by having the audience laugh at well, it. Well, you know, a toilet flushing, never not funny. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, Dudley comes out, and he's had a pill. He's all doped up. And he tells Dadley that Mr. Horton tried to touch him. And Dadley does a great job here, I gotta say. He's like an A-plus father at this moment. Yeah, he does. He's really good. The only thing that rings a little untrue for me is I would feel like he'd, like, go and try to rip the head off of Mr. Horton or something. Yeah, like that's true. Does. Dadley doesn't have to be a saint. He should get a punch him in the nut. Yeah. yeah. I'm a little pro-vigilante, I gotta <laughs> say, you guys. I do like that his first priority is his kid. Yeah. That he reassures his son and that he's like, this isn't your fault. You didn't do anything wrong. If he then Mm -hmm. wanted to go punch Mr. Horton in the throat, that'd be appropriate. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, this was another one where they were talking directly to the audience about you're not supposed to just go beat them up and you aren't supposed to blame your children. And it's just so fucking sad (laughs) that they need to tell us that. So then there's like a wrap-up, basically, where everyone's mm-hmm. back at the house. And, and it's a wrap-wrap-up, and they wrap the whole thing. Yeah, it's a very instructive <laughs> wrap-up. <laughs> They're like, you might get tested after you're molested. But, uh... Yeah, this is, this is where they finally the come out and say that what we've been talking about this whole time is child molesters. Well, and they do, they basically go through all the info in a pretty well written sequence, too, where you can tell that they're like going through a list of information, but it does feel like a plausible conversation. There's an interesting thing where Willis is like, oh, I can't believe Mr. Horton was gay. And because it's 1983, they don't really say that being gay doesn't isn't a problem but they do <laughs> uh-huh. they do clarify that child molesters and gay people are different <laughs> well things. it was yeah. weird because of the way the dialogue was almost like reversed in that i was like what the heck what what, what did they bring up gay for and then i realized what well, i think what they were trying to say is just because somebody's gay doesn't mean they're a child molester <laughs> they're going to molest your child right. but what it almost felt like when i first watched it was like 
Well, he's a child molester, but he's not gay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that that's somehow worse than being a child molester. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, let's. He's a gay child molester. I know that. The, the, well, there's... that's that's the point they were trying to make mm. is that he. It's not that he he likes little boys, and that's different than liking men. Right. Yeah. Which I thought was like surprisingly insightful and helpful of them to point that out. But were they yeah. saying that he likes little girls too? Is he a bi child? That part molester? was not unclear. Mm-hmm. But what they did clarify sure. is that you shouldn't go run out and kill a gay man after watching this episode <laughs> yes. because you're, of your assumption that he will molest young And boys. And for 1983, yeah. I appreciated that point. Yeah, that was very yeah. progressive of him. That's the wrong way to vigilante. And I also appreciated that one of the things the cop says, he's like, well, a lot of people can be trusted. You know, you just got to stay alert as to when things feel off and... That's a better message than just all strangers are out to, like, molest and or kill or rob you. Yeah. Right, which is kind of more where culture has moved towards, it, I would say. Exactly. And, and some of it's just, like, you have to let your kids trust adults sometimes because if they're in danger, they need to go to somebody and they might not know anybody around at the time. And, of course, yeah. also sometimes if you do know somebody, it doesn't mean they're good either. And, uh, yeah, and that some parents blame the kids and how yeah. wrong that is was a really good point. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, these kind of give cautions instructions. And the most important thing of all is that Arnold still gets his bicycle. <laughs> Yay. I do like that they, cause I, I forget who it is if it's, if it's Willis that's like, you know, man, this is heady stuff for kids or whatever. They make a point of saying it's important for kids to know the facts about stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which yeah, again for 1983 totally. I thought was a good a good lesson, and uh, also that some hugs and kisses are still okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like when you kiss your dad because he bought you a bike. Yeah, thanks, Dadly. What do you think about that it was Dudley and not Arnold that took the brunt of the molestation? It does seem like a cop out a little to bit. the character. Yeah. Like, yeah, having our protagonist, the one we love the most, suffer the most mm-hmm. would have been more feel, accurate to the experience of being molested. Do you feel like the they didn't want the audience to feel differently about Arnold after, because he'd been molested? Yeah, they didn't want to risk that emotional involvement. And I guess I didn't quite like the, at the end, the hand-waving of the police officer. He's like, well, Dudley's gonna be fine. He's got good parents. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's got a Are dad sure? who loves him. He'll be fine. And I'm like, <laughs> he'll, he'll sew so. him up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yikes. Yeah, they also did in this, in their, in the show, they got him right before he got molested, right? Yeah. He was yeah. just well, about to really, I Yeah. I think no, that's what we're supposed to believe. Yeah. Right, but and that's a bit of a cop out too. But I mean, yeah. it's good for him. No one wants to see a molested child, or or else they're terrible. You mean that no one wants to look at a child after they've been molested? Yeah, put a bag on them <laughs> for their life. But even if Sorry. he wasn't com- molested, like in the most physical sense, mm-hmm. like that still would be a scarring experience for a little kid. Yeah. Sure. And even uh, Arnold, too, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, you affect your ability to trust and that kind of thing. And they also I, sneak in a lesson about vigilanteism and how it was good that Mr. Drummond called the police before going over there because they were able to, the police were able to, like, see the evidence of his, like, creepy sex dungeon 
rather than yeah. giving him like a heads up to clear out of town or get rid of the evidence or whatever. That was an interesting point. Like I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah, actually. I, I That's didn't a nice either. Point, but I mean, so many police are in child pedophilia rings that hmm. I, I don't necessarily agree with it. I'm a little pro vigilante. You think that they should have just taken? You think that Dadley and Arnold's dad should have just murdered yes. Mr. Horton? Yeah, <laughs> spiritually, yes. I... <laughs> Just on a spiritual level, you think yes. so? I would say there's probably plenty of police officers that would be willing to help you catch a pedophile. Too. That's nice. I think there's plenty, but I don't think it's all of them. You know, like <laughs> this, well, let's let's compare it to something which is a little bit still traumatic, but not quite as terribly evil. Because child rape is the most evil thing. Let's just go to adult woman rape, which is a common occurrence, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you don't want to go to the police because they don't believe you. The mm-hmm. case is gonna suck. Uh, I really hope the police are better when it comes to child rape, but I know they won't always be, so take it with a grain of salt. Well, I think that if this happened now, mm-hmm. and they called the police, what would happen is the police would burst in, and then they would shoot Dudley. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fucking concern, isn't it? I'm sorry, I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> be like, look out, he's got a gun! <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know, I think it's commentary. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be horrible if that happened. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, goddamn shame. Speaking to a world. whole different level of problem. Yeah. Well, it's interesting how um, dated these things. I think we're going to deal with this a lot as we do this series. Like how specific to a, a decade or even a year uh-huh. um, the cultural conversation around these things are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this would happen very differently. I think if they did it now, and that there'd be certain issues um, inside of it that are very different. Yeah. Well, yeah. I feel like if. A sitcom tried to do this episode today, there'd be a lot of outcry and up, uh, people outraged over it, like, because it's too serious or, you know, you shouldn't be showing that kind of stuff on TV. Yeah, even though the episode itself makes a point of saying it's important for kids to know the facts. Yeah. Like, that seemed like that was their, their sop to the people you know, who would have said, even in 83, you know, oh, won't someone please think of the children and clutching <laughs> their like pearls we that, that we were discussing this. Then their point was kind of like, we are thinking of the children. That's why we're doing this. Right. You guys think it's backslid from there in terms of allowing to talk to children about traumatic, potentially material? A uh, little I bit. I think there's a lot of forward-thinking parents, but there's parents that aren't so forward thinking and they're oh, like yeah. don't you know i i know what to teach my child why is someone else trying to teach my child anything you know yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah well and again i think there's a different expectation like mm-hmm. yeah i mean do is do any of us watch any current sitcoms at all no oh yeah yeah like what do you watch um big bang modern family the Good Place, which is new this season. Um, I mean, all the Fox stuff, Simpsons. Uh, rest yeah, of, Brooklyn uh, Nine Nine. I Brooklyn Nine Nine. I still watch New Girl. I've seen um, Bob's Burgers. All right, so none of them really do topical, or I guess topical stuff is handled very differently now. I guess yeah, I would say, yeah, yeah none, no sitcoms. I know of do topical stuff. Like uh, Blackish does. Blackish is probably the like they're they're in their third season right now, 
and there's probably already like three or four episodes that we could reasonably discuss on our show. Hmm. Um, they did one about the about police violence against the African American community. Um, they just did one kind of about voting and the election and things like that. So they definitely work some some issues in to the point where like it's not quite as tonally dissonant as this was. But, like, they were definitely more serious episodes than they usually were. Hmm. So, I, I think in parts of our wrap-ups of these, we should just evaluate. So, in terms of being a very special episode, like, how would you rate it in terms of success? I'd say it's pretty special yeah. and quite successful. Yeah, I think unusually so for probably... We're probably going to seek out the crappier ones, right? Yeah, I bet we're going to yeah. do a lot of toilets. So this was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Even though it was still extremely awkward with almost all of the places <laughs> the audience chose to laugh. Yeah. yeah, there was a bit of stuff that was forced just to get the information out, and there was some awkwardness, but at the same time you felt like they handled the, handled the material well enough, and with maturity, and like most of the stuff they said about it, I agree with. Yeah. And well, and I thought the representation yeah. of Mr. Horton was really strong. How kind of persuasive he was, <laughs> and his gra- his gradual process uh-huh. of I don't know coaxing them. I guess you would say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can you can see why the kids fell for it. I guess. Yeah. And you don't feel like they're you don't feel like ah oh, god those stupid kids they should have known better like this guy was obviously such a creepy pervo mm-hmm. like they did a good job of of making it subtle from the perspective of like a kid slowly ramping it up you know yeah I mean that the I guess the big failing and this is going to be the failing of pretty much all of these very special episodes particularly from the eighties is just because this is such a deviation from the norm. And because TV in the 80s barely had any kind of, like, ongoing subplots or characterizations anyway, just the whole, yeah, Dudley's gonna be A-OK, and Arnold's back to yucking it up with everybody at the end of the episode, and we'll just, we're never gonna talk about any of this ever again. It's a lack of follow-up for something that you think would be very significant to their lives. Yeah, Yeah. and again, that's, that's just a limitation of the of the era and of the medium in that era. and You can't really hold right. it against it. Otherwise, I do think this works surprisingly well as a, as a lesson. I don't know that it is both. It's not very good at being at imparting a lesson and also being entertaining because it's kind mm-hmm. of icky to watch, but yeah. yeah. Well, is it, would there have been a way to make a really funny, entertaining two-part episode that was also about child molestation? Yeah, no, I don't think, I don't think there would it. be. <laughs> no. I'll put it that way. And that's just kind of where they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. You could go yeah, with the totally. family guy method and just pretend that pedophilia is funny. Oh my god, yeah. I cannot talk about family guy. <laughs> is, isn't that what we just did for 90 minutes? Kind of. I felt bad the whole time, yeah. so yeah, we're true. actually good. <laughs> so what did you learn, Carol? I learned that David <laughs> got a fucking Spider-Man <laughs> yeah. in the style of Elliot Weber to come shoot some Elliot Webbs around and tell them to only shoot webs with those that they love and trust. Yeah. <laughs> 
David, what did you learn? What the fuck? (laughs) Well, I learned Gary Coleman's a better actor than I realized. Yeah, he's really good. The oil of Olivier. (laughs) And the other thing I learned while doing notes is that I have a very difficult time spelling bicycle on the first try. Every time I write it down, I misspell it. And then I can correct it, but I always want to put the Y before the I. I don't know. I can't can't spell diarrhea for the life of me. Which is like the height of irony. Right? You can sure make it. (laughs) Austin, what did you learn? Uh, Well, I learned that uh, Ripple is apparently a brand of cheap fortified wine that was quite popular in the 70s. Well, according Hmm. to what I read, it was a brand. Apparently it's not around anymore. Yeah, we yeah. gotta get some rip. Yeah, that's too bad because we could we could get some ripple and see what it's like. But yeah, exactly. I know we should have had some to get us through this. And I learned some uh, really good options for mixed drinks to give to children. <laughs> Not least of which was uh, pineapple and was it rum? Yeah, yeah, I call that the salty sailor. Oh yeah, that's what you give to Hawaiian kids. <laughs> <laughs> I give it to any kid who likes semen. Oh, the other thing, the other thing I had in my notes, I thought it was funny that after the episode's over, they do the sort of standard sitcom thing of running the credits over a sequence of events from the previous episode. (laughs) And that just seemed, that just seemed like the thing you wouldn't really want to do after this episode, where it's just. No, it's true, because like, also, as the theme song's playing. Oh, yeah, um, the theme song. I thought that the lyrics to the theme song became very strange in this moment, too. What might be right for you. May not be right for some. <laughs> and then, but yeah, like this still yeah. image montage, and it's like I'll the dad stopping memory. the pedophile. Yeah, like, oh, there's the scene where he came out of the bathroom after being drugged, and you're like, do I need to be reminded of this while yeah. the credits roll? This is this is not good. I had the same reaction to the song, even the 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 main part. Different strokes. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It means you could stroke a child, which is not what I'm about. Again. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. That was an interesting moment. Different stroke, and it's written by okay. Alan Thicke. Yeah, or performed, performed by. by Alan Thicke. Yeah. Everybody's got a special kind of story. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> finds a way to shine. Sorry. <laughs> this this was a special kind of story. <laughs> Very special. We've, we've talked about we've talked about David's uncanny knowledge of sitcom theme song lyrics, right? I mean, maybe not he's, enough. He sang the whole Different Strokes theme song <laughs> on a episode of our previous podcast. I've I've been at bars yeah, with yeah. him where he's sung along to like fifteen consecutive theme songs, <laughs> word for word. Wow, you didn't go home? No, it was yeah, the best yeah. part of the night. <laughs> Fun time. Can you do Mr. Belvedere? No. Oh, that's a great one. Um, so this should be wrapping things up for this week. Yay. What can our listeners expect next week? Ah, well, I have quite a doozy for anyone who likes elderly women getting abortions. Who doesn't? <laughs> We're going to be watching the episode of Maud, which is B. Arthur's show, and this one is Maud's Dilemma, part one, part two. You can find it on YouTube, listener, like you can find this freaking Gary Coleman 
episode too. I think we're gonna we're not gonna do a lot of episodes that you can't find on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> right? Seriously, look it up on online, and you can keep up with us for the most part. Well, I've always wanted to do the episode of Mod, or to watch the episode of Mod where she has an abortion. Like I've heard about it forever, but I've never actually seen it. Yeah, yeah so just like child molestation, you would think there'd be more abortion in TV because of people's lives, but mm. it is swept under the rug. So I would say, just like Maude, when she got that abortion, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> or you can come to me, I can tell you about shows that have abortion. <laughs> oh, David, give us the whole list. Yeah, sing the theme song. I only know two of, off the top of my head. And, there's and they are? Well, Degrassi, of course. And uh, Friday Night Lights dealt with it, too. Oh. 90210 cool. dealt with it. I'm sure. Nice. We should just do, a, like, a month of abortion. <laughs> I would love I guess that. Sex in the City dealt with it. Oh, yeah. Nice. I'm, I'm not watching that show. <laughs> <laughs> I knew a kid in high school who, like, traded pornographic magazines for someone to VHS tape him Sex in the City. <laughs> because he thought it would be a sex show. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> Man, Boy, was really he wanted wrong. <laughs> At least he knows what Mon- Manolo Blahniks are. <laughs> He's got good fashion sense. And also, <laughs> that ended up being what he was into later, so it all turned oh, out. Wow. Well, before before we sign off, uh, Carol, where I, I find you humorous and engaging, yeah. and I would like wow. to perhaps look at your Facebook this to see if there's pictures of you <laughs> oh, wow. that I can gawk at. Well, so. I have a Tarzan album. All right. I have some shirtless poses on an old man. All right. Sounds good. Uh, you can find me online at www.carolynmain.com, Carolyn Main at Twitter, Carolyn Main on Tumblr, Carolyn Main on Facebook, uh, C-A-R-O-L-Y-N-M-A-I-N, like the street. And David Bitsenhofer, how can I see you with no shirt on on the internet? <laughs> Just uh, send me a direct message. Uh, <laughs> send a self-addressed stamped envelope yeah. to the <laughs> box. For the days. Now I'm nostalgic. <laughs> uh, at Dr. Bits, doctor spelled out. That'd be my Twitter. And you can find my writings soon on therealgentlemanofleisure.com. And Austin Gordon, where can I see your nether regions on the global internet? <laughs> Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter, definitely not talking about child molestation, at Austin Gorton. And well, you not can... under that handle, anyways. <laughs> you can also read my writing at therealgentlemanofleisure.com as well. Sweet. As for me, your host, Ryan Alexander Tanner, you can see my artwork at ohyesverynice.com. That's O-H-Y-E-S-VeryNice.com. Oh, yes, very nice is also my Twitter handle and my Instagram and oh yes, very nice comics dot tumblr is my tumblr where you can find up to the minute artwork. As for the show, I will defer to Austin Gordon for how to contact us and such. We you can uh, check out our website, which is a very special episode podcast dot com. Uh, believe it or not, that was the best available domain name of <laughs> our various options. Uh, you can also. Follow us on Twitter at AVSE under, uh, yeah, at AVSE pod. No underscores this time. We didn't have to, to resort to that. Um, at, at AVSE pod is our Twitter handle. You can email us at AVSE podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, we have a Facebook page as well. A very special episode on Facebook. So come and give us a like there. 
and join in the conversation. I would say uh, either through any of those means, Facebook, Twitter, email, um, give us some suggestions for episodes to cover. Uh, And you could be first. I don't even know if we have a fan saying first yet. That could be you. Exactly. first. And, um, And, you know, don't necessarily limit yourselves just to TV show episodes. If there's you know, movies or books or comics or albums that you think sort of uh, fit the mold anytime a, a bit of pop culture breaks from its normal pattern to impart some kind of lesson, we're game to cover it. So make suggestions and let us know what you think. Yeah. Please do. So that about wraps things up for this episode. We'll be back next week to talk about Mod's Abortion. Until then, please remember that what might be right for you may not be right for some. We've seen it all before, so let's reload on a very special episode. Shows that sucked and shows that blowed. Buckle up, buttercup, it's a bumpy road. Going deep inside the mainframe, secret code. Some of this shit sticks, some of it's gold. Featuring VIPs of SBTV, Austin G and Dr. DB with our AT&C money. Weird TV is their specialty. It might be all four, or just one, two, or three. Cause they're old and kind of busy. So go get ready and take a peek. So set your faces to download a rarity that we have bestowed. Special moments no one would have showed. Open your body holes cause you're gonna get told Grab yourself a drink and let's unload In a very special episode Different stroke Different Unless it's molestation, then it's not right for anybody (laughs) Yeah, that's true (laughs) Unless it's between consenting adults Yeah, but then eh. Then it's not molestation Then then it's just happy fun times Mm -hmm. Got me there.